My name is Adam Martin. I am the founder of FI Project. I'm a five-time felon and I know what it feels like to be released from jail or a treatment center or a detox or a homeless shelter into nothing. And so the idea was like, could we do a better job by providing services in an F5 fa fashion, which was the function key on a keyboard, which was like refresh. So like every time we met someone, what would it look like if we treated them like none of that existed? So F5 Project is a nonprofit organization. We help people who have uh, addiction issues, homelessness, mental health, and ultimately try and give them a chance to change. I had seen some trends happening with peer support where people with like real lived experience, they were going back to where they came from and they were helping people out of those situations. There's no better way to get over the stuff that happened to you in your past than to go and help people who are currently experiencing it. Okay, so just so you guys know, we record for archives for whenever we don't have a speaker or whatever, so uh, no asking questions and stuff while the mic's on. We'll turn it off at the end, and then if you got questions, then you can ask. Um, and then we'll post it on the podcast too, so if you wanna listen to it later. Uh, so it's the 2 p.m. Uh, recovery uh, meeting for the Ridge, and we bring speakers in. Curtis is gonna be our speaker today. I just ask that you pay attention, stay off your phones, which is a general rule of being in group anyways, but especially when there's people talking in group or we have a speaker, uh, even better. I'm, I know for a fact that Curtis would show you the respect by staying off the phone while you're talking. So, um, and that's it. So Curtis is a friend of mine. He's also the chief operating officer for FI Project, one of the guys that helped me founded this uh, five, six years ago. Um, store uh, uh, when I got sober I moved in with these guys out in Horace they got drunk and started drinking every day I didn't have anywhere to go Curtis uh, saved the day and let me sleep down in his basement for the next I don't even three years <laughs> and then when I got my very first apartment on my own or whatever it was right after I lived at his place for three years so he's been a big part of my uh, sobriety before I got sober and after I got sober and even today. So give him a round of applause. Welcome, Curtis. Hi, I'm Curtis. Um, do you guys do identifiers and sobriety dates and all that? All right, so transparency reasons. Uh, I, I identify as an alcoholic, um, but I dabbled in a little bit of everything, so take that for what it's worth. I've uh, been sober since August 9th of 07, um, and I've been going to AA and NA basically that whole time. Um, so I guess today I'll just kind of like break down what my using was like, what kind of got me to, or led me to sobering up, and then kind of what it's turned my life into since then. Um, but I guess start at the beginning. Uh, both of my parents are Marines. Uh, they were stationed in California, so I was born in San Diego. Um, lived in LA for a while <clears throat> in the 80s, and then my parents decided that LA in the 80s wasn't really safe for white people, um, so we moved. Because um, it was pretty contentious at that time. Um, we lived pretty rough neighborhood, because the military doesn't pay a whole lot, especially then. <clears throat> but we ended up moving around a lot. My parents were in the military, and then they worked various government jobs after that. Uh, and the reason I talk about that is because, like, 
through moving around a lot, I always felt like a little bit different, you know what I mean? And like, felt like I didn't fit in and you're going to a new school every year or two. Um, and I always thought that that's why I felt weird, um, which we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, and then we ended up landing in Fargo, North Dakota when I was like 14, I think. Um, and I like quickly found booze. Um, Cause apparently that's all people do here. Um, which is, I mean, at the time it was pretty fucking awesome. Um, but I just remember like, there, like there was so much going on, you know, and like, you know, my dad had been to war and so he was kind of like violent and he drank a lot. And like, there was like all these emotions, you know, and you're 14, you're like going through puberty and discovering girls. And I'm just like, I don't know what the, what to do with all of this. Um, and then I, you know, my parents were going through a divorce and I just decided to try drinking because my dad seems to have a good time. Um, and it just kind of like felt like a little switch went off like in my head and like everything that I was constantly thinking about and everything I was racing about and like all this stuff that I thought mattered, like didn't matter. You know what I mean? Um, and like from the first one, I was just hooked. Um, like that was... It was the solution I was searching for that I didn't even know I needed. Like, that's what I thought at the time. Um, which at 14 is pretty dangerous. Uh, I ended up getting the cops called the first time. Uh, so it was a buddy of mine. I was working at Arby's with a bunch of, like, 30-year-old dudes. And I went to, like, their house on a Saturday. And I thought, these were the coolest guys ever. You know, 30 years old, hanging out with a 14-year-old. Um which now seems really suspicious, but uh, but they lived on 10th Street up by North High School. And so I'm wasted off of like three Mike's Hard Lemonades. And I decide that it's a good idea to go to McDonald's on 19th. And then the situation quickly devolved and I ended up in the ball pit throwing up and they were kicking me out. And then my pants went missing at some point. And so I'm like running down university because they called the cops like no pants, like puke all down my shirt, like having the best time of my life, you know what I mean? Um, and that was basically my drinking from start to fit, you know what I mean? Like, we're just gonna party hard and do dumb shit. Uh, and like, you know, at 14, like people notice when you're, you know, blackout drinking all the time, you know what I mean? And I was a 4.0 student when, I, when we moved here. Uh, I was in all AP classes, I had like, uh, two years worth of college credits by the time I was a sophomore in high school um, and by the time I got to my junior year I didn't have enough credit credits to move on to the next year of high school you know what I mean um, I was varsity football got kicked off the football team varsity track I kicked off the track team uh, tried to play baseball because uh, at least back then the way high school worked if you got caught with a criminal charge, they banned you for a sport for 12 weeks at a time. Um, so I was trying to play baseball to work off the 12 weeks so I could play football again. Um, but I suck at baseball, so that didn't work. Um, so in like just a few short years, like I went from honor student, you know, no criminal history. I had uh, D1 college prospects for football um, to like nothing. You know what I mean? To like failing every class, no sports, um, which was a pretty like rough spot to be in. And obviously, 
drinking is my solution at that point to everything that's wrong, but drinking is compounding all the things that are wrong in my life. So you start looking out for other solutions, you know what I mean? Because like drinking is not keeping up with all the problems. Um, so I started, you know, smoking weed as a given, uh, especially in high school, but then that quickly devolved into coke and whatever else I get my hands on, which is expensive at 14, 15, 16 years old. So then I started dealing drugs and then started my process in the criminal justice system. Um, and like this whole time I'm like doing all this wreckage and all this damage and my mom is going through a divorce and she's trying to raise two kids and take care of her mom, you know, my grandma, cause she's like 150 at the time. And like, I'm just running amok in Fargo Moorhead getting arrested two times a week. And then she's got to come pick me up cause my dad won't do it. And like, I never really realized like the wreckage I was causing until I sobered up, but like, it was never my intention. It was just like, I feel like absolute ass when I'm sober and this fixes me. Um, and I couldn't see anything past that. You know, I'm just trying to like feel okay. I'm just trying to feel like wake up in the morning and not want to kill myself. That's the goal. Uh, but with that comes all this other shit that I can't see. Um, so I'm on probation for like, I don't know, the fifth time in and out of treatment, you know, throughout high school. And now I'm facing like some real charges. I've got this probation officer that I've had the whole time and I'm like crying in his office cause like, you know, it's gonna ruin my future if I catch these charges and all this other stuff. And he was like, well, you've talked about going into the military. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, if you do that, then I can make this kind of go away. And I'm like, bet, awesome, let's do that. Um, my whole family's military, like going back as far as we know uh, so like that was always like the goal was graduate high school, get into the military. But now the goal was like the military will fix me. You know what I mean? Cause that's what my dad did. He kind of had like the same kind of childhood I did, the same kind of legal issues. And then like the, the Marines straightened them out. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay, I'll do that. Um, so I went to a Marine recruiter, told them everything that was going on, you know, what I was up to and why I wanted to join the Marines and I was honest with him, met with him for like two hours and at the end of it, he's like, yeah, no way. Um, I'm like, fuck. Uh, so I went across the hall to the army recruiter and lied to him and enlisted in the army. Um, and I shipped off. So I, I joined the military at 17 thinking it would fix me. And for a while it kind of did, you know what I mean? Cause you have, you know, especially like for the first year, you just have somebody yelling at you 24 seven. You know what I mean? Like literally just all the time telling you what to do, when to use the bathroom, when to eat, when to shower, when to go to sleep, when to wake up. Um, so you don't have, my, like my brain didn't have time to like process, you know, whether or not I didn't feel good. Um, but eventually like, you know, things kind of slowed down in the military a little bit. And then I kind of caught up with myself, you know what I mean? Um, like I was joining the military to like escape me, I didn't realize it at the time, I was just trying to escape North Dakota because I'm like, this place is a hellhole, I need to get out. Um, but like the problem was me the whole time. Um, but obviously I didn't know that. So eventually I catch up with me in the military and it was kind of the same thing as like high school, you know, I was a good student, whatever. I was awesome at being in the army when I first started, like uh, got to do a bunch of cool stuff, went to sniper school, went to airborne school, got to jump out of planes. Um, then started going on deployments, 
got some cool medals for doing stupid shit, really, but um, it's kind of the army. But uh, And then all of a sudden, like, my drinking's kind of catching up. And it starts out like, you know, like you graduate basic training, let's all go get drunk. Like, let's go get drunk. Like, that's normal. You know what I mean? Uh, especially in the military. Like, everybody's drunk whenever we can be. Um, and then it just, like, kind of slowly progressed the same way it did before, where, like, I'm blacking out on a Wednesday night. You know what I mean? Um, and then drinking's not really keeping up with, you know, where my head's at. So now i got to add some stuff to it. And, you know, military still doesn't pay very well, so I was making, like, 20 nine thousand dollars before taxes um getting shot at for a living and i've got like a 300 dollars a day coke habit um so i was stationed in fort bliss texas which is right on the border with juarez mexico so i started going to mexico to get my drugs because they're cheaper there and then bringing them back and then through like a weird uh we'll just call it unfortunate chain of events the guy that i was getting my drugs from asked politely if I would take drugs for him across the border because military guys just kind of get across without really being checked. Um, and then, you know, that kind of divulged into me trafficking drugs for the Sinaloa cartel for like a year and a half. You know what I mean? And it kind of was the same thing as in high school is like, you know, in my head this makes sense. Like I'm just trying to drink to feel better because I feel like shit when I'm sober. And I'm doing coke because the drinking doesn't keep up with me feeling like shit. And I have to go to Mexico to get drugs because I can't afford American drugs. And this guy's just asking me to do a favor because he's doing me a favor. You know, like it's like this all makes sense in my head, like with the blinders on in my addiction. Like this is fine. Like this is normal, you know. Uh, meanwhile, I can't see like all this wreckage that's going on. You know what I mean? And I'm going on deployments and I'm you know, messed up on deployments, which is a dangerous spot to be in. Um, and, you know, I kind of blamed it on kind of the stuff that we were doing on deployment, you know, and I kind of blamed it on getting shot. Like, it's the military's fault. I'm hooked on drugs because I shot and, you know, doing the stuff that snipers do. Like, you kind of just start blaming it on that stuff. Like, I need this stuff because of the stuff that the government made me do. But really, I've been like this my whole life, you know. Um... And it all just kind of came swirling and crashing down, like, all at once. Um, my, my errands across the border became more and more frequent, and they became bigger and bigger. And then eventually I got caught with uh, four kilos of cocaine trying to cross the border, uh, which is, like, a huge no-no, uh, apparently. And then in that process, I was trying to get, I was trying to like run away and like all this stuff, and then ended up getting a fight with like the federales, which are, you know, Mexican federal police, which are on the border. And I punched a border patrol agent in the chaos. So I'm facing like nine felonies at the time uh, for trafficking drugs, uh, conspiracy to sell, like all this stuff. And I'm facing felonies in both countries. So they're like passing me the border between a Mexican prison and a Texas holding prison and a bunch of misdemeanors and like all this stuff and meanwhile I'm still in the military so that's cool because uh, they're not super happy um, and it just kind of like all came crashing down like all at once and like everything like my perspective changed on like the whole situation and I had this like federal 
agent guy come in and t I'm in this holding cell and I'm chained to a, this desk. Um, I've been there for like three days doing questioning because they, they know I'm not just like picking these drugs out of a trash can. So they're trying to find out where I'm getting them from. And I legitimately don't know. It's like a guy at this shady motel that has donkey shows at 2 p.m. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know who this guy is, you know? Um, <clears throat> and so he walks in. And this was over 4th of July weekend uh, in 2007. And he walks in and he's like, is this how you thought your weekend was going to go? And I just had this thought. I'm like, and I said it out loud. And I didn't realize I was saying it out loud. I was like, douchebag I didn't think this is how my life was gonna go and he just kind of like looked at me and it just like all came flooding in like like all the wreckage that I'm doing and like this whole time I'm using and this whole time I'm running drugs across it like I think I'm in control of it and I think I have a handle on it and I think it's all gonna be okay um, and it just hit me that it's not um, like this is not okay this is like like people do life in prison for this stuff and I was facing like 30 years um, so I got a lawyer and to, to my, I don't know, random luck, I guess, or I don't know what you want to call it, but apparently like Mexican police are like notoriously corrupt and like the four kilos of cocaine that I was accused of bringing across the border just like went missing from evidence. Um, and no drugs, no crime. Uh, so I got let off from those and then like the border patrol scuffle got like, you know chalked up as a misunderstanding uh, and they just kind of like let me go and there was like a, a four day period between you know the federal agent and me calling him a douchebag and me getting all the stuff dropped and I went from like my life is out of control I need to do something about this to like see it all worked out it's fine um, <laughs> And so I thought I was off scot-free, and then they turned me back over to the military, uh, who kind of, like, left me hanging that whole time. And I just thought, like, business as usual, you know what I mean? Like, show up for work on Monday, and we'll be good to go. Uh, and the military kind of has its, like, own set of, like, legal rules and stuff. Um, so they don't say anything to me for, like, a week, and I think we're good. Um, but I'm still getting fucked up all the time. And... All of a sudden, I get popped for a UA, which I'm obviously not passing. And then two days later, I get popped for another one. And two days later, I get popped for another one. And two days later, I get popped for another one. And I'm like, what the fuck? Um, like, this is out of control. And they did it on purpose, because in the military, you need three positive drug screens to uh, court-martial somebody. So they backed them all, or they stacked them all back to back. So they could bust me because they knew what I was doing and they knew that I was bringing drugs on post, but they couldn't prove it. You know what I mean? So they decided to hem me up on some other shit. Uh, so they came to me and they're like, hey, uh, I was up for a medical review anyway, uh, which if you don't know is like when the military decides to honorably discharge you because you got injured in combat. So I'd been shot and my leg was all messed up. Uh, so I was up for medical review anyway, so my CEO came to me and he gave me two options. He's like, here's the deal. You can either take the medical review or medical uh, discharge. He's like, or you can stay and they're going to charge you with a court-martial and you're looking at like 25 years in Leavenworth prison, which is like a military prison. Um, if you ever seen the movie The Last Castle, that's Leavenworth prison. So, uh, And I was like, ooh, that's a tough choice. Um, <laughs> 
So it took me like 30 seconds to make that decision and took the medical discharge. Uh, and they shipped me back to Fargo because the military sh automatically just ships you back wherever they got you from. Um, so I'm sitting there at the Fargo airport. I tried to get drunk in the Denver airport and it wasn't working because um, um, that's where I had a layover. And I'm sitting in the Fargo airport. Me and my dad don't talk to each other at this point because, you know, during the divorce we kept getting in fights with each other and we had restraining orders against each other. Me and my mom aren't talking because uh, she signed my army paperwork and when she signed my army paperwork I slipped one in there to get for a tattoo um, permission slip and then she kicked me out of the house because I got a tattoo at 17 um, which is funny because now my brother works at a tattoo shop and his like whole face is covered and you know but he's the favorite so fuck him um, <laughs> but uh, you've seen my brother's face yeah it's just yeah anyway uh, good for him I guess uh, so she had kicked me out so we weren't really talking obviously getting kicked out of the military for being a drug smuggler doesn't really help the relationship uh, my wife who was my girlfriend at the time or fiance or nothing depending on what day of the week it was uh, she didn't really want to talk to me either because you know just kind of a scumbag at that point uh, so I'm in Fargo and I got nowhere to go I got no, I have no options like the military was my out like that was the only option I had and now that's gone uh, so I got nothing and uh, so I convinced my mom to let me stay in her basement for a little bit just while I figured some stuff out and uh, I had this uh, well I, I called somebody from AA because I had been to AA a few times that were court ordered before I joined the army and I was like well that might be worth a shot and the dude's like cool call me tomorrow um and we'll go to a meeting and i was like no you don't understand like i'm not gonna make it to tomorrow and he's like you'll be fine and he hung up and i'm like oh fuck okay um so i'm in my mom's house and i'm in her basement and i like nothing uh nobody wants to talk to me nobody wants to hear from me you know and like it might just be my delusional thinking but you know, like, you see all these, like, TikTok videos, or back then it was, like, Facebook and MySpace videos of, like, soldiers coming home, and they're, like, throwing parades and, like, throwing surprise parties and shit, and, like, I come home, nobody wants to see me, and I'm like, well, this is fucked, um, and, you know, because, like, in my head, like, I'm a, a fucking hero, you know what I mean, and, like, on paper, I am, but, like, everybody who knows me knows I'm a scumbag, you know, um, so I got nothing, so I'm in my mom's basement, I've got like a backpack full of clothes and like some random stuff and I had this 1911 pistol that my grandpa had given me um, that he had in the military and he gave it to me the day before I shipped off uh, to the army and like I'd wake up every morning like this is where I was and this isn't like to be whatever but uh, this is just where I was at uh, in my using is I'm trying not to use because my mom will kick me out if I use, and I got nowhere else to go. Uh, so every morning I'd wake up, and all my stuff was on, like, this, you know, like, counter in the bathroom. And I'd take my grandpa's gun, and I'd put it in my mouth, and I'd look in the mirror, and I'd try and decide if today was going to be the day. You know what I mean? Uh, I made it two days, and on the third day I was like, yeah, this is it. This is fucked. You know what I mean? Um... And right as I'm doing that, the dude from AA calls and is like, hey, get in the truck. We're going for a meeting. I'm outside your house. You know what I mean? 
and uh, like that's some hardcore shit. You know what I mean? Like that's that's whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's what I needed at the time. Um, like I don't know if it was a higher power. I don't know if it's coincidence. I don't even know. I, I don't. Um, but it's what I needed. Uh, so went to a meeting and I kind of was just honest with them, you know what I mean? Because I'm planning on killing myself at this point, so there's no point in lying, you know what I mean? Like, I don't give a shit what you think about me because it's not going to matter in a couple days. So I told them everything. I told them how I was feeling. I told them where I was at. And uh, and he just kind of like sat back and he's like, okay, well, that's no worse than anybody else I've sponsored. So if you want to do the steps, we can do this. Um, and I thought he was bullshitting me. Cause like I'm special, you know what I mean. Um, I'm the worst drug dealer ever, you know what I mean. Like uh, um, nobody can help me. I'm not worth it. Like whatever. But I was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot, and I can always just you know kill myself tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like uh, you know, spoiler alert, didn't. Uh, it always gets a little weird in the room when I tell that story, but obviously I didn't do it, so we're good. Um, so we started hitting the ground running, and it was like the first time that I had like honestly tried to like better myself in any way shape or form you know what I mean um and I was going to NA and AA at the same time because like I used a lot of drugs and you know coke's a big part of my story so I was like confused on where I belonged and then I realized it didn't really matter uh so I just stuck with AA because I don't know I like the guys that were I was hanging out with more I guess but but what I realized is just, like, this whole time I just had this skewed perspective of how, like, the world was out to get me and, like, God hated me and my parents just wanted nothing to do with me. And it, but what I realized is, like, all this damage and wreckage and, like, everything that I was, like, causing in my wake of using uh, was pushing everybody away. You know what I mean? And, like, they were tr struggling and trying to, like, hang on to me and couldn't because I just wouldn't let them, you know? Um, and it just like completely shifted my worldview. Um, and unlike the, the worldview shift with the federal agent, like this kind of like stuck for a little bit and I kind of just got put on a different path of like, instead of trying to fix the world to fit Curtis's deeds, I tried to, I started trying to fix Curtis to fit the people in my life's needs. You know what I mean? Um, and it worked, you know what I mean? And, uh. You know, slowly I, you know, you know, putting the gun in my mouth lasted for another week or so. Uh, but slowly, like, you know, I'd go a day or two without doing it. And then, you know, it'd be like a week or two without doing it. And then, you know, next thing I know, six months goes by and I don't even know where the gun is. You know what I mean? Um, and then slowly, like, you know, my girlfriend wanted to talk to me again. And we kind of started repairing that relationship. And me and my mom started repairing our relationship and me and my dad started talking and me and my brother started talking like little by little, you know, over the course of like doing just like little actions, you know, um, like calling my dad, just asking how his day was type of shit, you know, like basic stuff that I don't know how to do because uh, I just want to think about me and my ego and all my fears and all this other stuff. Like I just started putting other people's needs first and like my life started to get better and I started to feel like less of a piece of shit and I had less of a reason to go out and use um, and I just kind of like rode that high for a little bit, you know what I mean? And just kind of like dove into AA and like dove into trying to be in service and dove into trying, you know, repair my relationships. Um, and like, unlike, like every time 
I dove into using and drinking and like trying new drugs and dating different girls and buying different cars and whatever, like it would always fix me, but not quite enough and it would wear off. You know what I mean? But like the, the juice that I was getting, you know, from being sober and being helpful and being of service, like it didn't seem to wear off. It It seemed like by the next time I was trying to be helpful, I was still riding the high from the first time. You know what I mean? And for a guy like me, like, that's magic. You know what I mean? Like, I can, like, just stay fucked up the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, it's not the same. But, like, in my head, it's just like, okay, this feels good, and I can ride this forever. Um, so I just kind of kept doing it. And things got, like, immeasurably better. Like, the day I walked into AA, this time, you know what I mean? With, like, the first time I walked into AA, like, looking for a solution, um... It just, like, ever since then, like, I just had this, like, I just didn't want to kill myself, you know what I mean? Like, I really wanted to kill myself, but I really didn't want to at the same I don't know how to, like, explain that, like, super well, but it was just, like, like, I can't go on living this way, but I also can't stop, you know what I mean? Like, that's where I was at. Like, I can't stop drinking and I can't stop getting high. But I also know that I can't keep doing it. Um, And it was just like two halves of me were trying to tear themselves apart. Um, And that's all I was looking for was just to like put those two halves together and like feel okay. Uh, And that was that was the bar. Like that's what I was shooting for. And what I got was like so much more than that. Um, Like I'm I'm still with that girlfriend. We've been married since like 2009 ish I don't tell her but um, June 26 2009 I'm sure of that one um, so however long that's been me and my dad are like super good friends now uh, we both have Harleys and we go riding all the time and we have a really close relationship for two dudes that were fist fighting in a driveway 15 years ago you know what I mean like um, it's it's I can't even explain it uh, my mom lives next door to us now, which pros and cons to that for sure. Uh, but uh, she had a bunch of health issues. She was living out in California. My brother was trying to take care of her, but he's trying to start this tattoo shop, and he just doesn't have the time. And, like, I was in a position in life where I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I'll, I'll come get you. And, you know, me and Adam went and grabbed a U-Haul full of her stuff and drove across country back here and... Um, like I was in a position to be able to like take care of her, you know what I mean? Um, and then me and my wife decided we were going to build a house together and then we were like, Hey, fuck it, build the house next door for mom. You know what I mean? And like kind of thing, the world and the universe kind of lined up to like where we could pull that off and you know, whatever. Um, and like now I get to be there, you know what I mean? Kind of repay all the bullshit that I put her through, you know what I mean? Just by like taking out her trash every day type of stuff, you know what I mean? And like, like on paper, my life is super awesome if you look at like the stats, you know, like I got a cool house, I got cool cars, I got dope Harley, you know what I mean? Um, my wife's hot, like it's, it's all good, you know, but none of that really matters. I mean, the wife's hot is, but... Um, <laughs> But like, and the Harley, but, um, but what I really got out of like being of service and being sober and being a different human being was like, like I can sleep at night, 
you know what I mean? Um, and like I can call my brother on the phone on like a Wednesday just to hit him up and see what's up and he knows I'm not asking him for money, you know what I mean? Or I can call my dad and we can go out to lunch and like I can afford to pay, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of cool. Uh, but like people know I'm not calling just to like, cause I'm in a jam, you know what I mean? And I can sleep at night and I'm not trying to kill myself and I feel good most days, you know what I mean? Like obviously we got bad days, but like, man, my bad days are pretty fucking awesome compared to what they were, you know what I mean? Um, and that's stuff like I didn't even, I didn't even know I wanted and I didn't think I deserved at the time. Um, and that's kind of what I've gotten out of this whole deal is like realizing that everyone deserves that shot, you know what I mean? And everyone deserves to feel okay and everyone deserves to be, you know, loved by their family and their friends and whatnot. Um, I mean, that's, I don't want to say it's worth more than the Harley, but it's pretty close, you know what I mean? Like, like that's that's kind of the juice that keeps keeps me going. So that's where I'm at now. Um, yeah, I don't know if you got questions, comments, because you want me to turn this off now.